There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need you've got, there's honey in the rock. Oh, 
so far in the house of the Lord. We are blessed with some anointed and talented and blessed by God singers and musicians in our church. So I thank them for leading us into God's presence, into the Holy of Holies. I also want to thank our staff for making our church all Christmassy. So... They did a great job with that, and I'll tell you what, whenever I go to Mark Miller, and I say, Mark, I need this, you think you can do it? Yeah, I think I can do that, and he, he does it. So, thank you, Mark, for your skills as well. Oh. <laughs> a couple other little things before we get into this challenging message this morning that the Lord wants me to share with you. Um, we have a family that's in need of some help on December 3rd. It's a Saturday. I need about four, five, six people to help us move them. They're, coming, they're going from Mount Vernon to Shiloh. So I've got one person. I put it on Facebook, and i got one person so far, I think, committed to that. Um, but I'm not moving on today until we help a brother and sister in the church. So I need about four or five more people. There's one. 
Vince, two. Linda, three. Aaron, four. Rodney, five. All right. Thank you. <laughs> See me. Get with me. I'll let you know what time to be there. Uh, but we're going to help them. Um, and we should do that. As brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we have a need. Then we fill it and we help and we be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I appreciate that this morning. Some future plans for next year. It's exciting. Including the opening of our Christian Academy here at Orchardville for school. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had planned on that this year, but with things that we went through as a family, we wanted to hold off on that till next year and get everything kind of finished up with that. Uh, also with our family, Bryland's sick. And I'll tell you what, she loves being here. Now, I don't know if it's because of the babies. I'm sure some of it has to do with God and everybody else. But she actually, this is, this is to show you, hey, Sarah, we're doing something right. She got mad at us this morning. We woke her up to check her temperature because she was running a fever yesterday. And she still had one today. She got mad that we made her stay home from church. I said, quit mouthing. We're doing what's best for her. So I know sickness and some things are going around. Remember her, remember others that are sick and under the weather right now. But yeah, she was mad about not getting to come to church with a fever. So... If you would, open your Bibles. We're going to be in Titus chapter 2 here in just a little bit. I have a strange title for this message, and I tweaked it a little bit so I didn't sound like I was totally encouraging it. I added a question mark on the end, and it made it so much better. So originally I had go and send some more. And I got to thinking, some people may take that literally. Some people do take it literally. So I thought I'd throw a question mark on there, and that's our title this morning, Go and Send Some More. Um, And again, I kind of use that as an attention getter. I know that the Bible tells us to go, and Jesus says, go and sin no more. But so many of us, including the people in the church houses across the world, abuse God's grace. We neglect it. We think we can do what we want, when we want, how we want, whenever we want, because God gives me grace all the time, and I get forgiveness. So we just go ahead and sin. That's a terrible way to look at the grace of God, and we are flat out abusing it when we do that. And it's happening, okay? I told the deacons this morning, they pray for me every Sunday before service starts, and I said, this is one of the most challenging messages God's asked me to bring to the church this morning. Because we're going to talk about stop sinning, and we're going to talk about repentance this morning. Great Thanksgiving week message, right? (laughs) That's why I played the video in the beginning. We're thankful. All right, so the Apostle Paul was entrusted by Jesus with the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. We read about that in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And in his ministry and in his letters, Paul placed great emphasis on this totally undeserved unearned favor and blessing of God upon us. But he also taught another side of grace, a tougher side of grace, and sad to say, it's really not preached much in the pulpits today in our churches. And we're going to take a brief look at grace's uh, mainline message and what that means for us, but we're also going to look this morning at the other side of that and how God And how Jesus in his ministry was showing both sides of grace. So we're going to be in Titus 2 verse 11 to start out. It will be up on the screen for you. But I encourage you to follow along. Take notes. Highlight in your Bible. Titus 2 
verses 11. This is out of the NIV. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Amen. Thankful for that grace. But as you research grace, you know, in different theology books and online, you come up with some pretty solid definitions like these. Grace is undeserved blessing freely bestowed on humankind by God. Uh, In the Christian sense, grace is God's spontaneous, though unmerited love for sinful man, supremely revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or grace, unmerited and free favor and mercy shown to sinners by a sovereign God with a view to salvation. And those are all great definitions of grace. And, And preachers like myself deliver sermons on grace all the time, the grace of God that leads sinners from darkness to light, like many of you in here have experienced, and from the power of Satan to salvation in Jesus. So we understand that side of grace, and we hear life-changing verses like these. And again, I may go quick, but it'll be on the screen. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9 tells us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Acts fifteen eleven, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Okay? Now, I was personally saved in around 1982, I believe. I was five, six years old uh, at a Christian school in Carpentersville, Illinois. (laughs) In the basement of that church, they had a Christian school down there. And that's where I gave my heart to the Lord. uh, Hearing similar messages like this and scriptures like this. And over the years, I've repented of my sins multiple times. And came to Jesus Christ in simple faith. And I've lived from that day forward with his grace given born again, um, mentality of being a child of God and knowing this in my heart later on in life, I came to a better understanding of it. How many of you have been there? You might've been saved as a child, but you didn't really understand what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus until you're older. So I was there, uh, later in life, I came to this better understanding. It was finally like, I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart, like ding dong, you know, like, hello, Rick. Are you, I might've said dom there. I meant ding dong (laughs) doorbell. Are you there? You know, it took me a little while until my late teens to understand the depths of true surrender, to truly surrender every part of my life to the Lord. I went to church growing up as a kid all the time, back when uh, your life revolved around church and your life, instead of the opposite, where everything else in life revolves around church. You know, and when you go to everything else nowadays instead of church. Back when I was growing up, when the church doors were open or we were making peanut brittle on a Saturday, we were there. I mean, the church was it. Everything else took a back seat. Not really the case anymore. The, wor- the world has infiltrated the church and changed our priorities some. That's not what I'm preaching about today, though. All right. So I learned what true surrender was, what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus as I grew up, and to know what true repentance was. If there's no repentance, there is no salvation. Okay, yep, we have to understand that if there's no repentance, there's no salvation. Luke 13, 3, NIV says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And that's a constant thing that we need to be doing because we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all sin. Maybe some of us every single day, we need to be repenting. Acts 26, 20 says, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, And all in Judea, and then to the Gentiles, I preach that they should repent 
and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. But faithfulness to God and to his word and the Bible requires that we also embrace this other side and it's totally biblical side of his grace. We talked about the unmerited favor um, that we get from God and we're saved through this grace. And in the scripture from Titus, we're going to look at some of that, some more, go a little bit deeper in it. In verse 11, again, it says, Apostle Paul begins with a wonderful and widely taught message of salvation by God's grace. But if we go a little bit farther down in 12 and 14, 12 through 14, Paul adds some additional definition to the meaning of true grace. And that is the fact that now saved by his grace, we are instructed by that same grace to stop sinning. Stop sinning. And and some of you guys are already tuning me out. But grace is not a license for you to sin. We abuse it. And we continually go back to the same sin a lot. And it trips us up over and over and over. And I understand that we struggle and I understand that we go through things. But some of us abuse it and we keep going to it. And we don't let the freedom that's found in Jesus reign in our life. In Romans, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Woo! Yes, I get more grace. I'm going to keep sinning. No! No, we should not do that. That's what it says in Scripture. And if this offends you or it doesn't line up with your personal definition of grace, then you're going to relegate yourself to a lifetime of living below God's standards for his sons and daughters. And we're going to look at this passage a little bit farther here. Titus again, 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And I thank God that by his grace, grace through his son Jesus, he offers salvation and eternal life to all. Verse 11. We get that. We all get it. And that should be one of the very central messages of our preaching and our witnessing to people. That there's grace and forgiveness for your sins. But we suddenly see in the next verse a change of emphasis from the unmerited favor side of grace to grace's clear command to live a holy life. It's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It's the grace of God that teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. It's the grace of God that brings his favor Yes, we get his favor in our life, but it also brings his correction when it's needed. And there's so much widespread, and I'm, I'm, every time I preach, I've told you guys this, I'm pointing back at myself. There is so much widespread loose living amongst Christians that's sickening. In the church. There seems to be this wrong attitude held by some believers that That goes something like this. Hey, I'm saved. I'm under God's grace. God understands my sinful lifestyle. He's very forgiving. It's all okay because I'm covered. I'm covered by his grace, Rick. I can go and sin some more. 
But we think that and we abuse that very grace. And, and reading through these scriptures here in Titus, we got to notice how deeply that casual attitude violates the scripture, which clearly declares that God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live upright, godly lives. Now, there's a couple stories that I wanted to bring out from the Bible in Jesus's ministry where we can see this two-sided application of grace, okay? The first one is his undeserved favor for things like salvation and, and physical healing, but then also Jesus' command that they should stop sinning. And both of these are truths, and they're found in this biblical truth of God's grace. Let's go to John chapter 5. And I'm going to jump around a little bit on this story. It'll be on the screen. But John chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 5, then 8 and 9, and then 14. I'm a little fired up today. <laughs> not condemning you. I'm trying to help you. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Somebody already saying it in their heads, Rick. But there is correction and truth. All right, John chapter 5, starting in verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. Verse 14, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. There it is. Argue with Jesus. Don't advise it. Jesus, through grace, healed this man who had been invalid for 38 years. The man did nothing to earn this healing. It was entirely and mercifully by Christ's grace, but shortly thereafter, Jesus spoke to the healed man again and told him, stop sinning, or something worse might happen to you. And this is all part of the Lord's grace. And again, this part of it, this side of grace, is not talked about a whole lot in church anymore. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to run anybody off. We don't want to lose big tithers. I don't care. And if people try to hold your tithe and your money over my head, see ya. And it's happened here. Bye-bye. You're given with the wrong heart and the wrong reasons. Take it somewhere else. <sighs> wrong thinking has many Christians, their minds confused on this topic of holiness. And again, they replied to this message by saying, you're trying to get me back under the law, or you're, you're trying to get us in bondage, and you're judging me. You're judging me. I love that one. You're judging me. But we're really missing the point entirely. It, it would not be gracious of the Lord to touch our lives with salvation, to touch our lives with healing, or in some other merciful way, and then leave us unchanged in our sinful lifestyles. That would not be grace from God. Jesus' grace led him to heal the man. Then his same grace led him to warn him to stop sinning. And so grace is not just merciful when we need it. It's, it's also needed when we need instruction, when we need to be corrected, when we need to be changed for our good. And God's grace sometimes includes tough love. Parents, you've had to do that with your kids it's the same thing with God. Sometimes we need some tough love. I have healed you 
You know, Jesus says to, says to us sometimes, I've healed you, now stop sinning. You're set apart. You're getting sanctified. You're changing because of what I'm doing in your heart. Keep following me and you'll notice more things in your life start getting cleaned up because of who he is inside of you and wanting to glorify him and your words and your actions. And God loves us too much to simply leave us in this sin, in this unrepentant lifestyle. Let's go to another story, John chapter 8. And I'll jump around on this one too. A woman caught in adultery. You guys remember this story if you've been around for a while. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say, Jesus? Verse 7, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. In verse 9, those who heard began to go away one at a time. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now. Oh, here it is again. And leave your life of sin. Or King James, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Again, grace, when he says, neither do I condemn you, was followed by more grace. Go and now and leave your life of sin. It wasn't grace, then judgment. It wasn't grace, then bondage. It wasn't grace, then this works mentality. It was not grace, then under the law. It was grace blessing her with forgiveness and then grace telling her to stop sinning. Stop it. Stop. Again, it's tough love, grace. I've forgiven you, now stop sinning. And as you live out this, both sides of grace, this meaning of grace, your, your life will be changed for the better when you leave the sinful stuff alone. Your determination to live a holy life, it takes some determination, it takes some willpower on your part, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit in you that's going to enable you to turn away from those things. You begin to conquer temptation and to overcome the habitual sin that had you tied down for so long. No more shackles, no more chains, no more bondage. I am free. We sang about it this morning. Freedom. Why would we want to go back to something that was destroying us and keep going back to it when you can be free in it? You're going to find that sin, the more you're seeking the Lord, the more you're, you're resisting the temptation to live in that sin, you're going to find out that sin is no longer going to have dominion over you. That's Romans 6.14. The fruits of the Spirit that then begin to grow in your life and you crucify the flesh, flesh with its passions and desires and you find yourself in a closer walk with the Lord. There's a key there. Every single day when you wake up, you have your flesh side and you have the Holy Spirit side. Boom, going against each other. And every day you have a choice when situations come your way, am I going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit or am I going to let the enemy drag me back and let my flesh be in charge? Every day, you're faced with those things. Think about when you wake up. Let's even go to a simple thing like an alarm clock. How many, maybe a lot of you use your phone, you set like seven alarms on your phone. 
or you hit the snooze button nine times, which is like nine minutes every single time. (laughs) But even that, your Holy Spirit side should say, I know it's difficult. Should say, God, thank you for another day. Let's get started today. Your flesh side, I don't want to get up. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get up. You're getting ready and the kids are driving you nuts. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing in the morning. Your spirit side says, I understand they're kids. And you might have to give some correction. I was a spanker. I got spanked when I grew up. I turned out all right. So I use the same. I don't spoil the, spare the rod to spoil the child. So anyway, you have that or you have your flesh side that can take uh, correction to your kids a little bit too far. And then you're actually abusing them. <laughs> There's a difference. My mom and dad always told me I did did this because I love you. I always said, you liars. (laughs) You hate me. But even that, we've got, oh, in our our emotions get all out of hand and we can choose to walk in the spirit or let the flesh take over and we lose our cool and our temper with our kids. We get in the car and we get behind somebody that's really slow. Chance for the flesh or the spirit to rise up in us. You're thinking about it yourself right now. Or you're headed into Mount Vernon from this side of town and you get stuck at the train tracks. Not once, but twice. (laughs) I heard, I think it was Matt Griswold actually used this. He told his people, when you get stuck at a train, pray for somebody in that time. Instead of thinking about the frustration you have of being in that moment, take the time to talk to God and pray about somebody that might come to your mind. But, and then you got your jobs and everything that goes with your job. We always have this, this thing going on in, with our flesh and our spirit. We want to live controlled by the spirit. And I know we don't get it right 100% of the time. Let's go to Jude chapter 1 verse 4. This is the Living Bible translation. Jude chapter 1 verse 4. Some godless teachers have wormed their way in among you saying that after we become Christians, we can just do as we like without fear of God's punishment. They have turned against our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And again, this type of of loose living Christianity has infiltrated many American churches where we don't even look any different than the world. And it's no wonder we have empty seats and nobody wants what we have because we don't glorify Christ in our actions and our words. Many believers say, you know, if I quoted Jesus' exact words to you, stop sinning, would reply to me with, that's bondage or legalism. Or quit judging me, Rick. Quit judging me. And unfortunately, they're wrong. Um, The command to live holy lives was the commandment of Jesus himself, as we saw in these scriptures. To those upon whom he manifested his grace. He gave them grace. He gave them forgiveness, but he also told them to stop sinning. Stop. This morning, I'm telling you, I'm telling me, let's stop sinning. Let's stop choosing sin. Let's walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's walk in the authority that God's given us to overcome things. Let's be different than the world. What sins are you talking about, Rick? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I made a big list this morning. 
Because as believers, we tend to point out the major things wrong in the world and we forget about the very things we're doing ourselves. We want to hit on the hot topics like homosexuality or abortion and things like that, but we don't want to talk about the things that we are doing. So, let's go through some. What sins are you talking about? All of them, okay? This isn't even all of them. I just, put, I just made a couple paragraphs here. No other gods before me. Are you placing anything before God? This one hit me right in the face as I studied this week because the loss of my son has been placed before God. I'm being honest. My grief, my sorrow, my pain, I've put before God. And that's wrong. As tough as it is, it's wrong. And I was convicted of that this week. No other gods before me. You shall make no idols. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. God's last name is not, dang it. I was going to say it. Then I thought it'd go viral. So, But there are people in this room that use it like that. I'm going to get a t-shirt made like that. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother, teens. Honor your pastor by paying attention. I just added that one. I know you're not supposed to add to the scripture. I'm sure we can find something that's close to that. I'm your second father. Okay? Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. This is a big thing in the church now, too. Who cares about marriage anymore? And the sanctity of it and the vow we make, we just get divorced and remarry all the time. Not condemning, I'm just saying it's a common thing now. Where we look more like the world than we do the church. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. And these are not meant to scare us into obedience. These are to keep us protected, to keep a hedge around us. How about some more? How about anger? Guilty. Arrogance. Bitterness. Blasphemy. Boasting. Complaining. Hmm. These are in the Bible. Deceit. Divisions. If you're causing divisions in the church, you're sinning. Drunkenness. Stay away from the stuff. That's my motto. It's my own personal convictions. I don't want to be a stumbling block for somebody else. I just don't do it. Okay? And I saw my cousin, I believe, or uncle, cousin, kill his niece in a drunk driving accident. And I swore to myself I would never get around this stuff because nothing good comes from it, it seems. Okay? Gluttony. Woohoo! There's one of them that we don't. We don't, look at all those sins those people are doing. What about? (laughs) It's the truth. And I love Oasis, but you guys are a stumbling block for me. (laughs) But in all seriousness, overeating is a sin. 
And how much better would we all look if we didn't sin with our overeating? How about foolish talk or foul language? I got people in here that cuss. I don't like it, but they do. I don't see how that brings honor and glory to God. And, I, and again, we'll, we'll use the thing, oh, I slip up every once in a while I say them. Walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. I used to cuss every other third word in high school. Mom and dad, if you didn't know that, I did. <laughs> I could shut it off at home amazingly. I could shut it off on Sundays, but when I took it to God, he shut it off all the time. Amen. And I stopped just like that. Amen. So it's possible. Okay? I'm going over a little bit, but that's okay. This is good for me. It's nobody else. Greed. Lust. Hatred. Homosexuality. Hypocrisy. Sexual immorality. Which includes sleeping together, having sex before you're married. I was guilty. Okay? Sin. Knowing what you should do and not doing it is a sin. Stop sinning. Murmuring. I didn't care for that music today. Sinner. Sometimes we get so caught up in worshiping a song instead of our creator. Stop it. Pride, quarrels, unbelief or lack of faith is a sin. And I, I say the best one that I had on my list, this is not all of them, gossip. If it starts with the words, did you hear or did you know, stop them. And it goes on all amongst here. Stop. I'm guilty of it, but stop. You have to make a conscious effort when you start to hear something not to gossip about it. Because if we all stopped gossiping, we probably wouldn't even talk. <laughs> Just stating the truth. Stop gossiping. It's a sin. Our praise team would come up. I debated on whether to read this, but I think we need to hear it and you need to highlight it in your Bible and come back to it over and over and over again. Romans chapter 6. I just decided midstream here that I'm just going to go where God leads me and if we go out a little over, it's okay. Romans 6, turn there with me. It's not going to be on the screen, so you have to go there. This wasn't totally planned until about 8.47 this morning. Romans 6. Mine's titled, Sin's Power is Broken. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. 
We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. We live for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Verse 15, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You cannot be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We would all do well this morning to fear sin more. It's power, it's deceptiveness, it's consequences. And worst of all, how it's, it's just detestable towards God. But praise be to God, because through Jesus, we're, we're dead to sin and we're alive to God. We don't have to live that way anymore. We don't have to keep going back to that. Grace, again, grace and holy living are both part of the Lord's best plan for our lives. And his grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives, like it said in Titus. Always eager to do what is good. Your life is going to be blessed if you'll live this way. It's going to be blessed. You're going to live holy and set apart. You're going to be different from the world. And I'm confident this morning, if you'll stand... 
I'm confident already this morning that God's stirring something up in your heart. That he's bringing things up that I've talked about in your own heart. And I'm confident to say that probably everybody in this room needs to repent this morning. Rick, you can't say stuff like, yes, I can. Because I just read through a lot of things and I know none of us are perfect. So my wish this morning, my prayer, my hope is that every single person in this, in this congregation today repents. If my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, they will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Now, I think we as a church are healthy, probably a lot healthier than we've been in a long time. We're healthy. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about as a church body, we are healthy. But there are things that are blocking God from moving freely like he wants to do because of unrepentant sin in our lives right now. Now, I told you one as the pastor and the leader of this church that what I went through four months ago is blocking me. I'm putting that above God right now. Which is probably some of the reason I feel numb and I don't have many emotions right now because I'm letting that consume me more than God. I'm I'm okay to admit that. I need to repent this morning of that. I've got some anger problems. I've probably said some things to people. I've probably done some things that I know. I don't want to walk away from God's blessing because I have unrepentant things in my life. So this morning, I, I... I pray that these altars are jam-packed four and five rows deep because we have things we need to repent and turn from. Even simple things like our mouth and our language. Are you with me this morning? So they're going to sing. We're going to worship. And as the Holy Spirit moves in you and reveals some things, ask him to search your heart. That's a dangerous prayer to pray. Search my heart because he will show you things that you need to repent. But I encourage you to step out and come do it or sit at your seat and pray and repent because for the, 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 the entirety of our church and how we're going to look spiritually, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. I don't want to block what God wants to do here at Orchardville Church. I'm the first one to tell you that. I'm going to be right here and I'm going to be praying for forgiveness and turning away from the things that are keeping God from doing everything he wants to do in my life and in this church. Let's worship as I pray. Father, we thank you for today. And God, I thank you for a challenging word. And God, if it's for no one else this morning, it's for me. You've opened my eyes and my heart to things, God, that I I need to repent of this morning. And God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for placing things above you. there's a lot of emotions and thoughts that go with that God and not just for me but for others in here God Lord I pray that we come and we say I'm sorry and we ask for forgiveness for those things in our life that are blocking the holiness that you want for us and God I know we're not perfect and I might have said some things that brought up some emotions in people and Father please let them know that it's from a heart that wants the best for them It's not to condemn. But Father, you give us tough love sometimes. And we need to have our spiritual eyes and our hearts open to things that may be standing in the way of us and you. So God, fill these altars with hearts that are repenting, God. Heal us. 
Heal this church. Heal this body, God, so that we can do everything that you've called us to do and you can move every way you want to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come this morning?
little something before we close. You guys can keep playing softly. If anybody knew the goodness of God in the Bible, and a lot of people did, it was David. And I think about him a lot as you read through the Psalms and the different things he went through and, and the different times he had to repent. And how he lamented over situations and he cried out with everything within him. And sometimes, even this morning, I'm just going to speak for me and I'm going to go back to some things I said earlier. I'm not condemning people that have been through some stuff in life and you've been through things and and you've been through divorces, you've been through abortions, whatever it is, I'm not condemning you. I'm I'm just telling you, first and foremost, foremost is that we can learn from everything that God's guidance and wisdom can help us in those things to, to teach us for the next situation and that God's with us through trials and storms but and I don't want you to go away thinking that I, I'm condemning you and I, I think any less of you for things because I'm, I'm a sinner just like you and I've got things in my life I'm not proud of but I also have a God that restores and he redeems and he helps us through those things and, and brings us through the fire on the other side of it. But I think about David and I was sitting here praying for people and praying myself that I just preached on repentance. And I think about David crying out and lamenting and I, I didn't get to that point. And I wonder how many other ones that came up this morning repented and asked for forgiveness but didn't truly from the depths of where you were hurting and what you went through let it out and I think that's part of my problem with my grief and my sorrows I've never let it out I've not lamented I've I've not cried out to the Lord through all of this I've not let him know how I feel and what I'm going through. And that's the same for you guys that are struggling with some deep things in your life that it's okay to let it out. It's okay to feel. It's okay to let God know that you're frustrated and you're angry and you're upset because he knows and he can handle it. So this morning I'm going to attempt to lament and cry out. If no, just for me, because I didn't do it. I sat there and preached on it and I didn't do it. And I'd encourage anybody else if you don't feel like you lamented. You don't feel like you let it out this morning to come back to this altar because you got to let it go. So God, right now I'm upset. I'm still angry. I still don't get it. I don't understand why my son's gone. It hurts. I feel like a part of me's died. And there's a giant hole in my life right now, in my family's life, and I, I don't understand. But God, I'm asking you to take this hurt and this pain and this loneliness and under, not understanding. God, I'm just asking you to take it from me because I put it ahead of you. And God, I'm just crying out to you right now to feel again, to not be numb. And God, I recognize it's because you're not first. God, I still read your word. I'm still praying. I'm still doing the things 
I know to stay close to you, except I've put this, this grief and this sorrow ahead of you, and I don't want to do that anymore. So God, I release it to you today. I pray you take it, every broken piece inside of me right now, and you heal it inside of Sarah, inside of Brian, and in my family, God, that you take those pieces and pick them up and, and show us healing. And you'd strengthen us. And God, that you would bring us out the other side of this stronger than we are now. And prove again, God, how faithful you are. And we have the assurance of seeing our son again because we believe in you and your son, Jesus. God, I just give this to you this morning. I repent of putting it ahead of you. And I turn from it, God. I give it to you this morning. and ask you to move on this situation. And anybody else in here, God, that needs to let some things go, I pray they come and let them go. And let them heal. Let you heal them, God. Because you are our healer. In Jesus' name. Amen. I know I'm not naive enough to think that everything's perfect and everything's going to be right, but I, I do know that that was something in my life that I needed, repent, I needed to repent from because it was ahead of God. Hurt, the pain, not, not able to understand things was ahead of God, and that's wrong. It's wrong no matter how much something hurts, it's wrong to put it above God. He's still in control. He had Jackson from the day he was conceived until the day he, and he has him now. He was loaned to us. We were to take care of him and train him up in the ways of the Lord, and the Lord was free to take him back anytime he wanted to because we dedicated him to the Lord. And he's in heaven now, and he's enjoying his eternal reward, and we're going to see him again. I know that. I love you, church. I appreciate you guys, all your love and support through all of this. And again, I hope you know how much we love you and we care for you and want to help you through life's trials and struggles. And I want to see this church explode for the kingdom of God inside and outside of here. There's no service this Wednesday for Thanksgiving with your families. Loving on them. I'm disgusting right now. It's not all over my face. We love you guys. You are not dismissed. You are sent. God bless.